So hey, welcome to the Revisiting Podcast. So we're doing a test run. This is a little weird. So I, I got a little under the weather this week. So instead of going and recording in person, uh, we're testing out doing an online recording. Because the theory is, uh, in like the fall when I start traveling around and stuff, I believe this is probably how we're going to do this show. We're going to do it on you know, internet style, but this is new to both of us. We don't know how to do this crap. So, <laughs> so we're just testing it out. We don't know what we're doing. Yeah, exactly. So we're testing it out and hopefully it'll work okay. So I picked a, uh, a bit of a, a shorter show this week, just so we, uh, cause we were going to do Columbo, but I think we'll save Columbo until we're together in person because Columbo episodes are like full movies. They're like 90 minute, super, super shows. So I was just looking through stuff that I had put aside and I don't know why I had this or where it came from. I presume somebody must have recommended it back in the day, so I just threw it in our slush folder for stuff to check out. But I looked through the comments on YouTube and stuff, and I don't know, I don't know where this came from, because I've sure never heard of it, but you said this rings a bell to you a bit, The Four Just Men? As soon as I started watching the beginning of this thing, this this is familiar to me, but I don't know why or why I would remember it. Yeah, so I guess I'll just jump straight into my little research. So I'll just tell you what I know about this show. The Four Just Men is a 1959 television series with 39 half-hour monochrome episodes. It's funny, they don't call them black and white. It's monochrome. Still fancy. The series, based on a sequence of novels by Edgar Wallace, including a 1905 novel titled The Four Just Men, presents the adventures of four men who first meet while allied soldiers in Italy during the Second World War, tasked with the dangerous job to blow up a bridge behind enemy lines. Then in England in 1959, the men are contacted by telegram by their commanding officer, Colonel Cyril Bacon, to meet again. Colonel Bacon died a week before, but has left a recorded message for the men. He's also left a will that his money be used by the four men to fight for justice and against tyranny. They operate from different countries, Jeff Ryder is a professor of law at Columbia University in New York City. Tim Collier is an American reporter based in Paris. Ben Manfred is a crusading independent MP who works from London. And Enrico Pocari is an Italian hotelier based in Rome. Their reputation as the four just men is well known. <laughs> That's a long ass explanation. But basically, these four guys, it's not really four guys because the series is unusual in having the four main actors appear alternately. One or occasionally two make brief appearances in each other's episodes, often using a telephone. And at the time, The Four Just Men was the most ambitious film series yet made for British TV. It was produced by Sapphire Films at Walton Studios and on location in Britain, France, and Italy. None of its four stars had previously been cast as regulars in a television series. So it's really four shows in one. It's like set in all these different fancy pants cities but each episode is just one of those four guys and they just alternate through them each week. That's like an interesting concept. Yeah, and it, it's not extremely clear because it's all this stuff about the, the war and bombing bridges and stuff, but it doesn't seem like the actual show is going to be about that at all. I'm not really sure what the actual show is, like what they do with this money, how they fight injustice. I don't know, <laughs> but I guess that's the point. I guess we'll find out. Yeah, but you have to remember, when this show was made, the Cold War would have been in high motion. So, and it, and the, and the Cold War obviously came out of World War II. So you, there's probably a lot of references, like 
back and forth. But the espionage part probably has to do with the Cold War. And uh, yeah, and it sounds, I mean, it's apparently it was expensive at the time and it sounds really cool, all of these different cities and stuff, but I have a feeling we're not going to be jet setting around all these different places. I think, you know, we're just going to pick one of them. Speaking of though, I, again, I don't know why I had this episode in, in my slush folder, why I picked this one, but I have episode 13, National Treasure. And, uh, a bunch of these, including this one, are on YouTube if anybody wants to watch along. But yeah, like I was saying, since this is kind of a test episode for doing an online recording, I guess uh, I guess that's it. I guess we'll just jump in and watch the show and say what we thought of it. This will be a bit of a shorter episode. But this is kind of neat too, because again, talk about random, right? I, I don't know why I have this. I don't remember <laughs> why I put it aside. So totally just a random show. All right, so The Four Just Men. So this was a little tricky because, uh, you know, again, we're testing out this uh, recording online stuff. And it's it's a little, it's, it's going to take a little while to iron out these things. It's a bit weird having various strange tech problems that I don't understand. So I think that also made me a little less, I was focusing a little less on the show than usual because I was dicking around with weird, uh, <laughs> you know, tech stuff. So I was a little confused by this plot in general. So this guy who was a millionaire on his deathbed, he admits that he bought a famous Rembrandt painting through the black market or something. So the Rembrandt in in the museum in London is a fake. But now he's feeling bad about it, so he wants he wants our our just man who uh, let me see, he was the London one, um, Ben Manfred. Jack Hawkins. Oh, it was a Jack Hawkins. That's the actor, Jack, Haw- Jack Hawkins. I don't know what his name was in the show. I forget. <laughs> yeah, so he's like, I need you to sneak the painting back in. You know, it's like a reverse heist. Instead of stealing the famous painting, you know, we got to get the famous painting back in. So that was kind of cool. But then it got just so quite twisty where it's like, okay, you know, then then Jack Hawkins has this idea. He's like, okay, well, if there's forgers out there and they're aware that they made this forgery, for this millionaire and it's now being sold at auction right because they believed at the auction that they would be buying the original right even though it's actually a fake so then he's figuring out through that whoever bids on this thing is most likely connected to the forgery ring because they're the only people that would know but then well even i went and looked this up on youtube a little bit and i think this kind of maybe it's not just me because uh this guy harold smith posted what was the point of the deceased gentleman's son complicated scheme to steal from the gallery the original painting which had just been returned to the gallery from his father's home makes a great story but had the son simply left the original in his father's home he would have inherited it from his father uh, or could have bought it from the estate at auction except the father made the arrangements to go and have the original returned and the son you know went along with that that was his father's wishes that kind of stuff it was, it was not the son that made those arrangements. It was the father that made the arrangements. So the son then knew that the, um, that the original had been returned to the museum. He now had the fake one. He wanted the original for whatever reason. You get the impression at the end, I don't know, that there's money problems or whatever. He's a spendthrift, who knows, whatever. So he made arrangements to sneak back into the museum at the end 
and replace the fake for the original so that he would then own the original again couldn't be simpler <laughs> typical british though you know they're they're really really good at doing these kind of uh shows that are very convoluted and you really have to think about what happened it's not like so just let's put that in your face just you stupid audience because you're too dumb to figure this out they always leave a whole lot of that innuendo in there so that you have to be able to really concentrate on what happened why it happened and you really have to think they're really they're excellent at doing these uh these shows that make you really think about what was going on as opposed to it just being like shoved right at you yeah it is a surprising especially for a 24 minute show i i really just assumed the reverse heist was the whole thing that would just be an oceans 11 scheme but yeah that was only like the first 10 minutes <laughs> but see but they had another twist at the end in 24 minutes they did one hell of a lot of of, of uh shifting of this this thing I mean, there was the original exchange for the original for the fake. Then there was the auction where the people at the auction, would, it was presumed that they knew it was the original. And that's what they were bidding on. And then there was that that extra switch at the end uh, where the son is trying to get back the original. Yeah. So I guess ironically, you know, so, even though I was like just looking through my, my slush folder and I'm like, oh, here we go. Just one little quick 24 hour or 24 minute show. This will be a nice, easy thing for us to do this, uh, you know, our tech test with. But uh, little did I know, I accidentally picked <laughs> one one of the more complicated, especially for, yeah, like, when did this come out? 1959? 1959. Yeah, I mean. But there's a lot of those good espionage TV shows that were made in that era. And, and they are, yeah, like 25, 30 minutes long. They have as much content in them as like a two-hour movie. Yeah. They're extremely well done. And I guess you can really see how, you know, if it was based on novels you definitely get that feeling i guess that's the difference is like if this was a tv production from the get-go i doubt it would be so complicated but if it's based on a story from a novel then of course there's extra layers and stuff well it was interesting enough that i i think i'm gonna see if i can look into a few more of those for just men yeah i definitely i, I did it a bit of a disservice that i'm like clicking around on settings and trying to figure out stuff <laughs> this was the wrong show <laughs> for this but yeah they are on uh, on youtube if you just search the four just men i don't know if all 39 episodes are there but there's a good half dozen at least so so yeah they're on there yeah i mean there was a lot of stuff in that for for one well let's say half an hour i mean just the scene changes good lord they did enough stuff out on the streets of london they were in a museum they were in a guy's big mansion <laughs> you know, geez i mean they really moved around yeah you can see how like we were saying at the start or, or the the description was that it was one of the most expensive british productions up to that point and yeah you can tell like that museum probably they just filmed it in a real museum <laughs> you know it looks like it and of course they have to have a little bit of the british wit in there it just can't be like a really dry espionage type show they had to put that cabbie in there who uh when Jack Hawkins jumps in his cab and says, uh, gives him all a big whack of cash and says, they take me to such and said, oh, no, I'm just stopping by to have a cup of tea. And later, Hawkins used the same line when he steals the cab and uh, the lady comes along and says, take me to Victoria Station or wherever. And he says, no, I'm just stopping here for a cup of tea. <laughs> 
So, yeah, I mean, overall, even though I was a little bit lost because uh, <laughs> I'm too dumb for the four just men, but definitely, yeah, a quality, quality program, very clearly. But I guess we might as well just wrap it up there because uh, I think our, our test went okay. You know, it's interesting, though, this kind of reminds me of, especially at this point, I mean, people don't know all the behind the scenes, but not only are we recording through the computer, but we're also on the phone at the same time because like just stuff wasn't working. The connection is messed up. This is this is all held together with duct tape right now. But this kind of reminds me of anyone who's a, a very long time listener, the few and the proud. Before we did TV show stuff, I would just call home as a whole. This whole podcast was just find a payphone, call home, you know, update about what's going on in my travels. But this is kind of how we did it then, too. I mean, we sort of changed the format because payphones don't exist. And I stopped traveling because of COVID. But this is kind of reminded me of that. <laughs> this is kind of a blast from the past. Yep. We're, we've come full circle. Yeah. But my last words on a, on, a, on a For Just Men, excellent, excellent. I think I would recommend it to anybody who wants to just concentrate on the show and uh pay attention to the details of what's going on because it's it is uh it, it's rather complicated these these plots are rather complicated they're not just uh, like a lot of tv that you see that just throws the stuff at you and you know has this attitude of well we better explain that to you and explain it again and again and again because you just might not be bright enough to figure it out um which th this show just presumes that hey you're pretty freaking intelligent so Here's a good show for you. Yeah, and I guess we'll give a thanks to whoever the mysterious person was who must have recommended this show in a YouTube comment, you know, eight months ago. <laughs> and now I can't find their name. So who knows who they were? But uh, if you're still listening, if you come across this. But kudos to you, fella, fella or girl, whoever you were. Good choice. You picked well, definitely.